back to the Fourth Way Podcast. Today we are going to continue looking at some great works from uh, nonviolent advocates throughout history. We are going to look at William Lloyd Garrison today. He was a very famous abolitionist, extremely influential uh, in his day leading up to the Civil War. And this is going to be his work to the Non-Resistance Society um, and their, the Declaration of Principles. I, um, you can get this online. It is public domain. And you can also get it in the book I've recommended before, which is Christian Peace and Nonviolence by Michael Long. So let's go ahead and jump right into the work. Assembled in convention from various sections of the American Union for the promotion of peace on earth and goodwill among men, we, the undersigned, regard it as, a, as due to ourselves, to the cause which we love, to the country in which we live, and to the world, to publish a declaration expressive of the principles we cherish, the purposes we aim to accomplish, and the measures we shall adopt to carry forward the work of the peaceful and universal reformation. We cannot acknowledge allegiance to any human government, neither can we oppose any such government, by a resort of physical force. We recognize but one king and lawgiver, one judge and ruler of mankind. We are bound by the laws of a kingdom which is not of this world, the subjects of which are forbidden to fight, in which mercy and truth are met together, and righteousness and peace have kissed each other, which has no state lines, no national partitions, no geographical boundaries, in which there is no distinction of rank, or division of caste, or inequality of sex, the officers of which are peace, its exactors righteousness, its walls salvation, and its gates praise, and which is destined to break in pieces and consume all other kingdoms. Our country is the world, our countrymen are all mankind. We love the land of our nativity only as we love all other lands. The interests, rights, and liberties of American citizens are no more dear to us than are those of the whole human race. Hence, we can allow no appeal to patriotism to revenge any national insult or injury. The Prince of Peace, under whose stainless banner we rally, came not to destroy but to save even the worst of enemies. He has left us an example that we should follow his steps. God commandeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We conceive that if a nation has no right to defend itself against foreign enemies or to punish its invaders, no individual possesses the right in his own case. The unit cannot be of greater importance than the aggregate. If one man may take life to obtain or defend his rights, the same license must necessarily be granted to communities, states, and nations. If he may use a dagger or a pistol, they may employ cannon, bombshells, land and naval forces, the means of self-preservation must be in proportion to the magnitude of interests at stake and the manner of lives exposed to destruction. But if a rapacious and bloodthirsty soldiery thronging these shores from abroad with intent to commit rapine and destroy life may not be resisted by the people or magistracy, then ought no resistance to be offered to domestic troublers of the public peace or of private security. No obligation can rest upon Americans to regard foreigners as more sacred in their persons than themselves, or to give them a monopoly of wrongdoing with impunity. 
The dogma that all the governments of the world are approvingly ordained of God and that the powers that be in the United States, in Russia, in Turkey, are in accordance with his will is not less absurd than impious. It makes the impartial author of human freedom and equality unequal and tyrannical. It cannot be affirmed that the powers that be in any nation are actuated by the Spirit or guided by the example of Christ in the treatment of enemies. Therefore, they cannot be agreeable to the will of God, and therefore their overthrow by a spiritual regeneration of their subjects is inevitable. We register our testimony not only against all wars, whether offensive or defensive, but all preparations for war, against every naval ship, every arsenal, every fortification, against the militia system and a standing army, against all military chieftains and soldiers, against all monuments commemorating the victory over a foreign foe, all trophies won in battle, all celebrations in honor of military or naval exploits, against all appropriations for the defense of a nation by force and arms on the part of any legislative body, against every edict of government requiring of its subjects military service. Hence, we deem it unlawful to bear arms or to hold a military office. As every human government is upheld by physical strength and its laws are enforced virtually at the point of the bayonet, we cannot hold any office which imposes upon it its incumbent the obligation to do right on pain of imprisonment or death. We therefore voluntarily exclude ourselves from every legislative and judicial body and repudiate all human politics, worldly honors, and stations of authority. If we cannot occupy a seat in the legislature or on the bench, neither can we elect others to act as our substitute in any such capacity. It follows that we cannot sue any man at law to compel him by force to restore anything which he may have wrongfully taken from us or others. But if he has seized our coat, we shall surrender up our cloak rather than subject him to punishment. We believe that the penal code of the old covenant, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, has been abrogated by Jesus Christ, and that under the new covenant, the forgiveness instead of the punishment of enemies has been enjoined upon all his disciples in all cases whatsoever. To extort money from enemies, or set them upon a pillory, or cast them into prison, or hang them upon the gallows, is obviously not to forgive, but to take retribution. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. The history of mankind is crowded with evidences proving that physical coercion is not adapted to moral regeneration, that the sinful disposition of man can be subdued only by love, that evil can be exterminated from the earth only by goodness, that it is not safe to rely upon an arm of flesh, upon man, whose breath is in his nostrils, to preserve us from harm, that there is great security in being gentle, harmless, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy, that it is only the meek who shall inherit the earth, for the violent who resort to the sword shall perish with the sword. Hence, as a measure of sound policy, of safety to property, life, and liberty, of public quietude and private enjoyment, as well as on the ground of allegiance to him who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we cordially adopt the non-resistance principle, being confident that it provides for all possible consequences, will ensure all things needful to us, is armed with omnipotent power, and must ultimately triumph over every assailing force. We advocate no Jacobinical doctrines, 
The spirit of Jacobism is the spirit of retaliation, violence, and murder. It neither fears God nor regards man. We would be filled with the spirit of Christ. If we abide by our principles, it is impossible for us to be disorderly or plot treason or participate in any evil work. We shall submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, obey all the requirements of government, except such as we deem contrary to the commands of the gospel, and in no wise resist the operation of law, except by meekly submitting to the penalty of disobedience. But while we shall adhere to the doctrines of non-resistance and passive submission to enemies, we purpose, in a moral and spiritual sense, to speak and act boldly in the cause of God, to assail iniquity in high places and in low places, to apply our principles to all existing civil, political, legal, and ecclesiastical institutions, and to hasten the time when the kingdom of this world shall become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. It appears to us a self-evident truth that whatever the gospel is designed to destroy at any period of the world, being contrary to it, ought now to be abandoned. If, then, the time is predicted when swords shall be beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, and men shall not learn the art of war any more, it follows that all who manufacture, sell, or wield those deadly weapons do thus array themselves against the peaceful dominion of the Son of God on earth. Having thus briefly but frankly stated our principles and purposes, we proceed to specify the measures we propose to adopt in carrying our object into effect. We expect to prevail through the foolishness of preaching, striving to commend ourselves unto every man's conscience in the sight of God. From the press, we shall promulgate our sentiments as widely as practicable. We shall endeavor to secure the cooperation of all persons, of whatever name or sect. The triumphant progress of the cause of temperance and of abolition in our land, through the instrumentality of benevolent and voluntary associations, encourages us to combine our own means and effort for the promotion of a still greater cause. Hence we shall employ lecturers, circulate tracts and publications, form societies and petition our state and national governments in relation to the subject of universal peace. It will be our leading object to devise ways and means for effecting a radical change in the views, feelings, and practices of society respecting the sinfulness of war and the treatment of enemies. In entering upon the great work before us, we are not unmindful that in its prosecution we may be called to test our sincerity, even as in a fiery ordeal. It may subject us to insult, outrage, suffering, yea, even death itself. We anticipate no small amount of misconceptions, misrepresentation, calumny, tumults may arise against us. The ungodly and violent, the proud, the pharisaical, the ambitious, the tyrannical, principalities and powers, and spiritual wickedness in high places may combine to crush us. So they treated the Messiah, whose example we are humbly striving to imitate. If we suffer with him, we know that we shall reign with him. We shall not be afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Our confidence is the Lord Almighty, not in man. Having withdrawn from human protection, what can sustain us but the faith which overcomes the world? We shall not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try us, and though some strange thing had happened unto us, but rejoice inasmuch as we are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Wherefore, we commit the keeping of our souls to God in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator, 
For everyone that forsakes houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for Christ's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Firmly relying upon the certain and universal triumph of the sentiments contained in this declaration, however formidable, may be the opposition arrayed against them, in solemn testimony of our faith and their divine origin, we hereby affix our signature to it, commending it to the reason and conscience of mankind, giving ourselves no anxiety as to what may befall us, and resolving in the strength of the Lord God, calmly and meekly, to abide the issue. I love that piece. It's um, it's almost like, I mean, I know it was written in the 1800s, but it's almost like a modern day Sermon on the Mount. Like they basically just take Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and they say, uh, we're going to actually do these things. <laughs> now, I, d- I don't know how well the uh, those uh, signees uh, adhered to it. Um, and I, I don't know about Garrison, I know that there were quite a few pacifists who, um, you know, around the time of Garrison when the Civil War came out, they were like, all right, you know, uh, I can lay down my pacifism to get rid of slavery. Like, I can support the war. I don't remember whether Garrison did or not. I thought he did, but but maybe he was one who didn't. Um, But yeah, there are definitely definitely some who who saw the the pragmatism of of ending slavery and kind of um, dropped their pacifism for a moment. But this, um, this one hits on a couple things. So a, a solemn review of the custom of war, if you notice some of the wording in there, that hit on, like, he talked about aggressors a lot. And it's almost by the way that he signal, singled out uh, aggressors. It was almost as if he was open to a strictly defensive war. In, in this one, they get into a lot more stuff. Uh, they get into, no, you can't attack or defend a nation. Um, they also get into, you can't be in politics. And we can't, since we can't be in politics, how could I vote for somebody to represent me to do the things that I don't think should be done to bear the sword? And also that means I'm not going to use the court systems. I'm not going to go to to law. I'm not going to take somebody to court and sue them. So, I mean, you're really getting into, like, the teachings of Christ and, and Paul and, um, and, and all of that. But uh, a few things that do stand out is at least the, the people who signed this document were okay petitioning the government and, and kind of saying, um, hey, look, we shouldn't be involved in slavery or, or whatever else. So they recognized that they were a prophetic voice to governments. And I think that's something that's a struggle if you if you are going to be nonviolent and you are going to kind of take Jesus's word seriously, um, you know all of those things like or Paul not not taking a brother to court and and that kind of stuff. Man, that has some significant implications. Like, yeah, not voting, but then should you protest or should you petition? Like, are you trying to overturn things? Are you and but at the same time, we know that we're supposed to be prophetic witnesses to the world. What does it look like to be a prophetic witness while not grasping at power? And I don't know exactly, but I think that um, that this document does a really good job of bridging that nonviolence and government gap. You know, it, I guess they're, they essentially were anarchists, right? Christian anarchists. Like, we are not going to participate in government. We don't like government. And um, 
so we're out. Like, we're out. That's not of God. But we know the government's going to be around, so while they are, what is also of God is to speak into those governments from the outside as, as prophets and say, this is evil. Like, repent and believe in the true king. So it's a, it's a pretty simple piece, but it's a piece that I think would be worth looking into. Look into Garrison, look into um, the group that was getting together to do this, look into the history around it, see how they kind of handled themselves as they approached the Civil War, um, all that kind of stuff. Like Just a, a fascinating document, short, um, but again, it bridges that 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 um, chasm between you know, nonviolence and government and kind of merges those two because those two really do go hand in hand. And um, I've met a lot of people who are like me and kind of started in nonviolence and then started looking at government and, and vice versa. So anyway, um, I think that's, that's pretty much it for, for Garrison's article. That's all for now. So peace, and because I'm a pacifist, when I say it, I mean it. podcast is a part of the Kingdom Outpost Network. Please check out the links below to find other great podcasts and content related to nonviolence and kingdom living.